Y'all, uh, today we're finishing up a two-part series on Remember Lot's Wife. Uh, we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Last Sunday morning, I was stressed out at 3 o'clock in the morning just thinking about what a hard word it was. And the Lord reminded me the very title of the message, Remember Lot's Wife. And, and, uh, and he led me through that. We, we were able to make it through it. I'm an exhorter, and um, most of the time I like for folks to feel good about what's going on. I think you're gonna, we're all going to leave here feeling good today because the, the word of the Lord is strong for us. And he's got great intentions for each one of us. But I want to take just a second just to summarize last week. Last week I didn't have an acronym, I, and I don't have one for today's message. Um, and sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting less and less uh, prepared with PowerPoints, so, so you're going to have to look at the white screen with me because things tend to change with me, even Sunday morning, and I'm having to roll with this. It's a part of living in Sabbath for me. I prepare during the week. I'm studying more, praying more, and listening to the Lord more than I ever have. But uh, to prepare a PowerPoint, man, I just can't do it because I can't be strapped to what, what's, what's going on. I'm not even sure what I'm going to write up here, but, but uh, oh, I need my glasses. So let's summarize. How many of you have thought about remembering Lot's wife this past week? Okay, Good. I ask you to do that. You helped me a little bit with my message last week. In fact, when I said I didn't have an acronym, in the middle of the service, someone, they're not here today, but they texted an acronym to Debbie in the middle of my sermon. And we're going to use it just a little bit different. Sorry about that, Kimberly. I'm shifting it just a little bit. But as we think about remembering Lot's wife, we saw in Jesus' word about the kingdom of God first to the Pharisees and then to the disciples, that he told them how not to look for the kingdom. He said, this is the way you don't look for it. And here's a summary of it. Pharisees started with a question about the kingdom, and their understanding was quite messed up. They were looking for a Messiah that would put Israel as God's people in its proper place, a place of preeminence. And they also were scoffing at Jesus, you see a few chapters before, but, and they were always trying to trick him. But they didn't realize that there would be two significant arrivals of the Messiah. One in which he would come as the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And the second uh, arrival would be when he came uh, as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And in both of these, we find mercy and justice. We find mercy in the lamb, and we find justice in the lion. That's a big theme for what we're going to look at in Genesis chapter 18 and 19 today. This is the way it is throughout the scripture, but here's what, here's what Jesus said about how not to look for the kingdom of God. Now, um, Isaac moved out of the house uh, about three weeks ago, I announced it here, and he's been back every weekend. And we're thankful. Yesterday was his birthday. Happy birthday, Isaac. He said it's his Michael Jordan year because it's his 23rd. <laughs> so, uh, but with Isaac leaving, that means that Debbie and I are getting used to being in like the empty nest. 
And we've com- I'm, I'm giving you this because I want you to remember this acronym, all right? I've said that with Isaac and Selah gone, uh, just Debbie and me in the house, others are around, but in that big house, we feel like two BBs rolling around in a 50-gallon drum. A BB is little and insignificant. It, it, it can't be really used for, to do much damage if you were using it to advance a kingdom. So I want you to think about how not to look. Think of a BB. A BB. So here's the way not to look. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, don't look around. Don't look around. Don't look here and there or there and here, he said to the disciples. But what he said was, you won't find the kingdom looking around, for the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. Every person is stamped with the image of God. And that's what evangelism is, going out and seeing the image of God come alive in people that are born again. The gospel is not about making bad people better. It's about making dead people alive. It's about people coming alive into the kingdom of God, being born again, entering into the kingdom. He said the kingdom is within you. The second thing he said is don't look behind you. Don't look behind you. And with this, I would say, remember Lot's wife. As she was coming out of Sodom, Jesus uses the the second shortest verse in the Bible, he uses that statement to tell them, don't look behind you. Don't look behind you. If you are plowing the field and look back over your shoulder, you are not fit for the kingdom. That's what he said in another passage. Don't look, don't look for the kingdom behind you. And the third point... Don't look beyond you. Don't look beyond you. He says, after, remember Lot's wife, he he says, one will be taken and one will remain. Two in a bed, one will be taken, another will remain. Two in a field, one will be taken, the other will remain. And we in the body of Christ can sometimes get so caught up in looking for the kingdom return of Jesus that we actually miss him even in our daily experience. So this is going to help you just think a BB. That's how not to look for the kingdom. If you look for the kingdom in this way, your influence will be as great as a BB. I know it's crazy. My acronyms are crazy. They're not, they don't have a lot of meaning, but hopefully you can't forget that. Don't be a BB. Right? What? (laughs) Yeah, that's the old saying. Be careful with that. It'll put your eye out, right? But I want to add one more thing. Here is how to look. Because in Luke chapter 21, when we see all things happening around us, when we see the challenges around us, it, it actually can look similar to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the tendency would be in the midst of that, if we're not looking around us for the kingdom, or looking behind us for the kingdom, or looking beyond us for the kingdom, there's one other direction. 
And that is to look above. In Luke chapter 21, he says, when you see these things happen, lift up your heads, look up to the skies because your redemption draws near. And listen, if you can get this, it will change your influence from being a BB to being a son of Abba. Amen? And only he knows the time of the return of Jesus. We, we've kind of gotten it backwards in our marriages here compared to the, the scriptural way that they would do it. Uh, it's, it's, it's us that are waiting for the bride to enter. But in that biblical culture, it's the bride that's waiting for the groom to come and get her. And, 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 and when the groom comes, it's announced with shofars and uh, it's, it's the trump that will sound. And Jesus... He, he says, only the Father knows. But when that trump sounds, the Father is going to say to the Son, seated at his right hand, go get it. Go get that bride right now. Go get her. And he will come as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has come as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, but he will come back triumphant. Get ready. There's a lot of difference if you consider yourself a BB or a son and daughter of Abba Father. We have an influence that we can make and that we can give. So I want, I'm going to read a long passage. So uh, we're going to Genesis chapter 18. We, we had to look at Luke 17 in its fullness to be able to, to get to that one phrase, remember Lot's wife, but you have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 18. I'm going to read, bear with me, uh, I'm going to read the, uh, from the middle of chapter 18 all the way through the entirety of chapter 19. So, get ready. Lord... Thank you for your word, and we ask that you would speak to us just through your word. Y'all, I'm convinced if we would just simply read the Bible, it will change our lives. Just read it. So stay with me. The man got up from there and looked out over Sodom, verse 16, chapter 18, verse 16. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard. The man got up from there and looked out over Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to see them off. Then the Lord said, should I hide what I am about to do from Abraham? Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I've chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he he promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense, and their sin is extremely serious. I will go down to see if what they have done justifies the cry that has come up to me. If not, I will find out. The men turned from there and went toward Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Abraham stepped forward and said, Will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? 
What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of 50 righteous people who are in it? You could not possibly do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. You could not possibly do that. Won't the judge of all the earth do what is just? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham answered, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, even though I am dust and ashes, suppose the 50 righteous lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five in that 50? He replied, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Then he spoke to him again. Suppose 40 are found there. He answered, I will not do it on account of 40. Then he said, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak further. Suppose there are 30 found there. And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Then he said, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, suppose 20 are found there. He replied, I will not destroy it on account of 20. Then he said, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak one more time. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, I will not destroy it on account of 10. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he departed and Abraham returned to his place. Chapter 19. The two angels, two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting at Sodom's gate. When Lot saw them, he got up to meet them and he bowed with his face to the ground and said, my lords, turn aside to your servant's house, wash your feet and spend the night. Then you can get up early and go on your way. No, they said, we would rather spend the night in the square. But he urged them to, so strongly that they followed him and went into his house. He prepared a feast and baked unleavened bread for them, and they ate. Before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom, both young and old, the whole population surrounded the house. They called out to Lot and said, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Send them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went out to them at the entrance and shut the door behind him. He said, don't do this evil, my brothers. Look, I've got two daughters who haven't had sexual relations with a man. I'll bring them out to you and you can do whatever you want to them. However, don't do anything to these men because they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of the way, they, they said, adding, this one came here as a foreigner, but he's acting like a judge. Now we'll do more harm to you than to them. They put pressure on Lot and came up to break down the door, but the angels reached out and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the entrance of the house both young and old, with a blinding light so that they were unable to find the entrance. Then the angel said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, a son-in-law, 
your sons and daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you. Get them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place because of the outcry against its people is so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were going to marry his daughters. Get up, he said. Get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-laws thought he was joking. At daybreak, the angels urged Lot, urged Lot on. Get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. Because of the Lord's compassion for him, the men grabbed his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of the two daughters, and then they brought him and left him outside of the city. As soon as the angels got them outside, one of them said, Run for your lives! Don't look back and don't stop anywhere on the plain. Run to the mountains or you'll be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has indeed found favor in your sight and you have shown me great kindness by saving my life. But I can't run to the mountains and the disaster will overtake me. I will die. Look, this town is too close for me to run to. It is a small place. Please let me go there. It's only a small place, isn't it? So that I can survive. And he said to him, all right, I'll grant you your request about this matter too and will not demolish the town you mentioned. Hurry up, run there, for I cannot do anything until you get there. Run there, for I cannot do anything until you get there. Therefore, the name of the city is Zoar. The sun had risen over the land when Lot reached Zoar. Then out of the sky, the Lord rained burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord. He demolished these cities, the entire plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and whatever grew on the ground. But his wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. Early in the morning... Abraham went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and the land of the plain, and he saw that smoke was going up from the land like the smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and brought Lot out in the middle of the upheaval when he demolished the cities where Lot had lived. Lot departed from Zoar and lived in the mountains along with his two daughters. Because he was afraid to live in Zoar, instead, he and his two daughters lived in a cave. Then the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man in the land to sleep with us, as is the custom of the land. Come, let's get our father to drink wine so that we can sleep with him and preserve our father's line. So they got their father to drink wine that night. And the firstborn came and slept with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the firstborn said to the younger, look, I slept with my father last night. Let's get him to drink wine again uh, again tonight so you can go sleep with him and we can preserve our father's line. That night, 
They again got their father to drink wine, and the younger went and slept with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The firstborn gave birth to a son and named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger also gave birth to a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. God led Moses to write these words. They are in the written word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Now, last week when I read the passage, Josiah actually blurted out, thanks be to God. (laughs) That's some streams when you read the scripture out like that and say, this is the word of the Lord, everybody goes, thanks be to God. Some people actually stand up when reading the scripture. And uh, y'all, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a strong word. It can be challenging, but I want us to look at two, two aspects of this. First, Genesis 18. If, if we were going to divide this into two sections, it would be Genesis 18, what we just read, and Genesis 19. Uh, a, a pastor in England that, uh, I, I, y'all, I've been studying the scripture and reading commentary and listening to things about Sodom and Gomorrah because I wanted to get this right, but I love what this one pastor in England said uh, Genesis 18 is about Abraham and God's justice. Genesis 19 is about Lot and God's mercy. Y'all, in God's judgment, we find a God of justice and a God of mercy and grace. In fact, you're going to see those things together time and time again. I've got about eight scripture here scriptures here that that say the God of mercy and justice or justice and mercy. In the midst of God's judgment, we find a God of justice and the God of mercy and grace. Now, since we lived in England, this, uh, this analogy was very clear to me. Does anybody know what stinging nettle is? Stinging nettle? Anybody ever encountered that? In England, there's stinging nettle. And uh, whenever our kids were uh, got into stinging nettle. It, I mean, it's not like poison ivy. It stings you right then, and it hurts, and and you're going to hurt for a while. But the nice thing about stinging nettle is wherever you find stinging nettle, you will find a dock leaf, and dock leaf is the remedy to the stinging nettle. You crush the dock leaf and rub that on it. I don't know if it's the oil or the leaf. I just remember that it works. Our kids would say, oh, got stung with stinging nettle, and they quickly picked a dock leaf and crunch it up and rub it on themselves. Whenever you find the justice of God, you also will find his mercy. He is both and. We can go to the extremes. Justice, hellfire and brimstone without mercy. And we can go to mercy and see God as some kind of a grandfather that tolerates everything, but he is a God of justice and mercy. Psalm 101.1 says, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. Matthew 23.23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin 
and have neglected the way your matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought not have done without leaving the others undone. Look, be assured of this. When God's judgment comes, we need to run for the hills. You know, um, when God's justice happens, you need to make sure you're on the right side of that justice. God's called us to be instruments of justice. But with it, we also see his mercy. In, in Genesis chapter 18, let's look, about, look at Abraham and God's justice. God, first of all, he's pondering, do, do I tell Abraham that I'm about to destroy Sodom? So he has a conversation with himself about this. Uh, but two things that stand out to me about this is that may, maybe if he didn't tell him that that the people, if, if people knew that Abraham was connected to this, then they wouldn't go to Abraham for blessing. Those that are righteous, those that are called by God, if, if they saw the judgment of the Lord happening around those people, they might avoid them. They may not want to get the blessing of the Lord that was given to Abraham. But he reasoned that Abraham would not know that it wasn't just a natural disaster, but it was punishment from God. And he wanted Abraham to see that, that this wasn't just something that happened because there are natural disasters that happen and the righteous and the unrighteous get affected by it. That can happen. But this is clearly a sign of God's judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah were wiped out. There in the Jordan River Valley, there is no sign of Sodom and Gomorrah now. I've never been to the Holy Lands, to Israel, but I'm told, and I've seen pictures of it, there's, there, the, the Arab uh, tour guides will point to one spot. Anybody been to Israel and been on tours? Okay, several of you have. I'm told that they will point to one little column that's standing up that looks like a woman trying to run and say, this is the pillar that Lot's wife turned into. But there was a destruction there of Sodom. Why? Because there was an outcry that the Lord had heard. Where did that outcry come from? Did it come from the earth itself? We know that the earth is groaning for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. It's groaning for the revelation of you being a prince and a princess in his kingdom. It's groaning, looking for that. There's a crying from the earth. Could it have been from the victims and survivors of what went on in Sodom, Gomorrah? Or possibly it might have been, might have been some of the loved ones that were concerned about you know, wherever I go, and especially out in the streets, I used to see this. I would bump into people, and I would see the Lord doing something in their life, and I knew somebody had been praying for them. And I'd say, who is it? And they'd say, who is what? And I'd say, who is it that's praying for you? Oh, it's my grandmama. Oh, it's my mama. It's my brother. I know he's been praying. Bound up with sin and addictions and living in a prison out in the streets of Fort Worth. In my early days, I saw that there were those that would cry out for their son or daughter or brother or sister. 
It happened here in Starkville. I happened up on a, on a wreck at about 1 o'clock in the morning. I was going uh, to, to clean a building myself. I was working and in, 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 in cleaning this, this place as, as the janitor there. And as I came up, this was in the early 2000s. I came up on a wreck, and the car was flipped upside down. Three cars had been involved in the wreck, and, and uh, it, it was on the way towards the vet school. There was an intersection there that this happened. Nobody was there. I'm the first one up there, and I get, get closer, and I see this guy sitting beside this car that was flipped upside down. And, and he's going, I should have died. I should have died. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, I should have died. He said, look at my car, I should have died. I said, well, you didn't. You're here. Uh, let, me, let me pray for you. About that time, Forrest Moss pulled up from the other direction, uh, who, who served here at New Horizons in the early days. And, and, and before I knew it, there were other medical people that came around, and, 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 and as they were taking care of him, and, and others were taking care of the others, he said, would you call my mama? And I, I said, sure. He gave me his phone, and I called the mom. This is like 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine that? Mom immediately answered the phone. She said, what's wrong with my son? I said, what are you talking about? She said, the Lord woke me up, and I've been praying for him. I've been calling out for him. Is he okay? And I said, ma'am, I've got some bad news, but I've got good news first of all. He's alive. He's sitting here talking to us, but I want you to know your prayers may have just saved your son's life. Don't ever underestimate the outcry of a father and a mother for their son or daughter or for a brother or sister. Never underestimate that. I believe that that was the outcry that, that heaven had heard and God responded and for him to respond, it was going to be uh, a judgment there. Y'all, I'll give you the last word on that. Well, the last word that I know. I, I ended up having his phone number and gave him mine, and he called me about two days later. After he'd been in the hospital, he called me, and y'all, he accepted Jesus over the phone. He put his dad on the phone, and he accepted Jesus also. We serve a God that hears because aside from the outcry of the, of the victims and survivors and those that care about them, there's an outcry that came from Abraham in the midst of God's justice. Abraham had the audacity to pray the first real prayer of intercession that we find recorded in history. And that prayer was respectful. He, he, he humbled himself before the Lord. It was bold. It was persistent. It was reasoning with God. And I believe that that's what God wants us to do, to talk to him in this way. Abraham did it with the Lord, and Lot did it with the angels. But God is patient with a persistent prayer, y'all. From 50 down to 45, down to 40, 30, 20, and one more time down to 10. God said he would not destroy Sodom if there were 10. I believe that there was one. We'll talk about it in just a minute. But we find in this inner 
interchange between the Lord and Abraham, we find the God of justice that is going to move. There's judgment coming, and there's justice that's going to be, be served. But Genesis 19, we find not Abraham and the God of justice. We find Lot and the God of mercy. Now, there were three men with Abraham when they came to see him in chapter 18. We didn't read the beginning of the story, but three of them came to him. And they came in the, the, the heat of the day at noon, high noon, came to, to Abraham. The Lord and two angels, it says. Then we find that the two angels went down into Sodom. And in Sodom, they come at night. Here's what one of the clues that we find is that Sodom was a city of nightlife. You know, evil loves the darkness. We are to be children of the light. And you can tell a lot about a city when you see about their nightlife. The angels said as they met Lot there at the city gate, they said, uh, we're going to go into the marketplace. Lot says, come to my house, stay there. You don't need to be out here at night. Come to my place. And they said, no, we're going into the marketplace. They were going to observe there. How did Lot get there in the first place? Lot was Abraham's nephew. He'd been around Abraham. He'd seen what he was about. He learned the ways of the Lord through walking with Abraham. But he chose the Jordan River Valley as a place to pitch his tents. He was a sojourner in the land. He was meant to be moving, living in the tents. But Sodom became tempting to him, and he saw the houses, the wealth, and the ease, and this was actually the beginning of Sodom's iniquity. In fact, uh, I, I asked the question, what was Sodom's iniquity? Here it is. It's Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 to 50, two verses. Now, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She, had, she and her daughters had pride, that's the first one, plenty of food, that's the second one, Comfortable security, that's the third, but they didn't support the poor and needy. That was the beginning of their iniquity. They were proud, they had plenty of food, they had comfortable security, and they didn't support the poor and needy. What does that say about what, where God's heart is? They were haughty and did detestable things before me, so I removed them when I saw this. So Lot moved in, and, uh, and, 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 and here he is found by the angels at the city gate. He was like a magistrate, he had a, but he had a, a, a gradual slide, slide down. He went from the tents into the city, probably had a very nice home. Uh, he became a judge. He tried to protect the angels. But Second Peter chapter 2 says he was tormented. He tormented himself by what he saw and heard in Sodom. That's what it says in Second Corinthians, no, Second Peter two, he lost, but Lot ended up losing his sense of right and wrong. And when judgment came, he actually lingered. He he compromised. The Bible now calls Lot righteous. When when I read this passage, I almost don't don't want to read it in public. I want to say, hey, this is R-rated. 
but it's in the word. It's there. We need to be talking about these things with our children. They're getting it in, in, through other means. So if we don't talk about it, then they're not going to get it. They won't be able to discern what's right and wrong. We've got to speak clearly about these things. And there are things that I don't even want to go back over. I don't even want to read the verse over, but you know what it says. You saw what Lot did. You saw that when they were asking for the men to come out, he offered his daughters. Is that not crazy? But Second Peter says that he was a righteous man. If God calls somebody righteous, then there's righteousness there. But he had compromised and he'd lost his sense of right and wrong. We know the last part, I, I don't even want to go back over that with, with him and his daughters, but the end result of the sin that happened there was the people of God were plagued by the, by the Moabites and the Amorites. The Bible calls Lot righteous. Why? How? Listen, I want to tell you, everybody around you is either a fellow missionary or mission field. And if we can train our young people, our children, to get this, don't, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. In the, in the Old Testament, we see them uh, separating out, wiping out whole nations of people so that they wouldn't be plagued by uh, the sins and it wouldn't, they wouldn't compromise. And, and, but in this, if you, you don't have to look far, but you will see in the judgment of God, justice and mercy together. I believe Lot was the only righteous one. I believe that when, when they grabbed Lot's hands, he lingered, that when they led them out and he grabbed the hands of his wife and his daughters, as he led them out, you can see that Lot's wife is falling behind. She had some attachments and some connections there with that city that she was reluctant to let go of. And when they got out, and remember this, when the, when the judgment of God is coming, you're standing beside somebody and they, they say something, you think, oh man, I'm moving over to the side. Have you ever done that? Said, I'm, I'm concerned a lightning boat might come down and hit you, right? When the judgment of God comes, run for the hills. Get out of there. Don't think about what's behind you. Get out of there. Lot's wife didn't. She was attached and she looked back. Here's what I believe the Lord was saying to me. Don't linger any longer than he leads. Let him take you by the hand and lead you through. Don't get stuck in something he is meant to be bringing you through. Don't linger any longer than he leads. Let him take you by the hand and lead you through. There's a shift that needs to happen in us today. We need to go from being a BB to being a son and daughter in the, in the kingdom of God. We need to go from pauper to, to prince and princess. We see Paul and Silas in the prison, and they made that prison a palace. In that prison, they were worshiping. Are you worshiping in the situations that you've been in? You can change a prison into a palace. But listen, a pauper can take a palace and make it a prison. Lot went into Sodom with a lot of wealth and he walked out of there penniless. 
He went into the city that had everything and lost it all. He was not remembering the name of the Lord as God. Listen, dear brother and sister, sin is significant. The greatest sin of all is not hearing the voice of the Lord and responding. Jesus said, when you go into those cities and you preach the word, the kingdom, and they don't receive it, shake the dust off your feet, for in that day it will be worse for them than those in Sodom and Gomorrah. There's coming another judgment day. Not only rejecting Jesus, but rejecting those that are carrying the name of Jesus. Be careful, world. If you're watching this on Facebook Live and you're trying to pick this apart, I want to tell you, be careful because the wrath of God is there and there is a judgment coming. There's a judgment now and one in, in an eternal judgment. Be careful what you pick apart in somebody that is God's messenger. And every, this is not about a preacher or a pastor. This is about every one of us. We carry the message of God. We have a responsibility for it. Wow. For some reason, I think I'm supposed to be quiet. <laughs> What's the Lord saying to us right now? Close your eyes just a minute and say, Lord, is there something I'm lingering in that I need to run for the hills from? Some of us are dealing with some kind of lust in our heart. The word doesn't say face that and rebuke it. It says flee youthful lusts. Run for the hills. Are you getting comfortable in Sodom? Last thing. Thank you, Lord. Confirmation, I'm supposed to speak again. Last thing. If there, there's a story of a guy that went over into the Middle East and, and he was a, a professional golfer and, and uh, he was playing golf with a, a king. I don't know if this story is true, but it makes a good point, okay? So I don't know. I can't confirm it, but it makes a good point. He, he goes to play golf with this king. He's a golf pro. And, and he goes to play with this king and and, and they treated him like royalty when they finished up at the end of their, their time there. And the, the guy gets, goes to get on the private jet that the king's flying him back to the States. He says, uh, I like to give gifts to those that come to, to see me. He said, uh, uh, is there something that you like that you would like for me to give you? And the, the, the young golfer said, yeah. He said, I collect golf clubs. And he said, uh, you could give me a golf club. The king says, done. The guy gets on the plane and flies out and comes back to the state. And on his way back, he's dreaming, what kind of golf club? You know, he's got all these nice golf clubs, but is it going to be a golden shaft? Is it going to have jewels around the head of it? What's that golf club going to look like? And weeks went by, and he got nothing from this king. And he was just finally just gave up. And he said, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess he's not going to send me anything. And all of a sudden in the mail, he received a letter. And he went, oh, a letter. 
okay, well, thanks for the gift. And he opens up the letter and out comes a, le- a, a, a cover page that says, I'm sorry it took so long for me to get the golf club, but I've got it now. And here with this letter is the deed to a 36-hole golf club that I've bought to give to you. What is it in our lives that has kept us being paupers and just a simple BB? That if we would simply be born again and recognize our identity in God, that would change our vision and that we would make wherever we go a palace. Fresh surrender to the Lord. That's what I get for you. Well, that's it. That's the word. That's what I got. Now, now we're going to be in here for just a few more minutes, so don't get your stuff together to get out unless you've just got an appointment. Uh, If you try to get out quickly, he might might make it rain again. (laughs) Ponder these thoughts, though, and let God speak to you in this week. Let's come back together, share in your small groups, share in your gatherings together what the Lord is saying to you out of this remembering Lot's wife. We live in a place that's very much like Sodom and Gomorrah, but we can make a difference. God said he could not destroy Sodom until Lot was out. The day's coming when that trumpet's going to blow. And it says that those princes and princesses of the kingdom will go up to meet him in the air. Oh, my goodness. When we're gone, what's going to be left here that will suffer that judgment and destruction? Do not walk out of this room without trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and becoming royalty in the kingdom family of God. Don't do it. And I've promised another day. But saints, let him shift your mindset so that you advance the kingdom wherever you go. Amen? Let the Father lead you.